Recipients of the domestically made Medigen vaccine can now get fully vaccinated with another brand if they need to travel overseas. Currently, Medigen is not widely recognized internationally. This new policy applies to people who have already received either one or two doses of Medigen. They're now eligible for a mixed dose 28 days after their Medigen vaccine. Also on Friday, two vaccine shipments arrived in Taiwan. The first was 920,000 doses of Pfizer delivered in the morning. It was followed by 1.22 million doses of Moderna in the evening. Taiwan's single-dose coverage is now just under 76 percent, while the second-dose rate has reached 40 percent. In the upcoming 14th round of vaccination, more than 2 million people have appointments to get a shot. In other news, the outgoing president of Honduras, Juan Orlando Hernandez, arrived in Taiwan this evening for a two-day state visit. It's his fourth time in Taiwan, and he's here with his country's foreign minister, finance minister, and other officials. The visit comes just ahead of Honduras's presidential election. The country's main opposition party has said that if it wins, it will switch recognition from Taipei to Beijing. Taiwan's foreign ministry says it's monitoring the situation closely. Outgoing Honduran President Juan Orlando Hernandez on Thursday tweeted a photo of himself with President Tsai Ing-wen. He wrote that he'd accepted her invitation to visit. He said he was on his way to Taipei to thank Tsai for all the support given to the Honduran people. This year marks the 80th anniversary of Taiwan-Honduras diplomatic relations, and this trip is Hernandez's fourth to Taiwan. Tsai is expected to confer the Order of Brilliant Star upon Honduran Foreign Minister Lizondo Rosales. The Honduran delegation is expected to stay for only two days before returning home in time for the November 28th presidential election. Xiomara Castro, the presidential candidate of the opposition party, says she will switch recognition to Beijing if elected. Hernandez's trip comes amid fears of an imminent loss of a Taiwan ally. The hullabaloo over unstable Taiwan-Honduras diplomatic relations has raged for half a year now. At this time, the Honduran president has decided to take action and lead a delegation of high-level officials to Taiwan to quash the rumors. We think this is really the right action to take. How can a 70- or 80-year-old diplomatic relationship be impacted by a single election? Honduras will have its election at the end of the month. While this is going on, the Honduran president has stopped to thank Taiwan for its long-term support of Honduras. This trip to Taiwan is to let the people of Honduras know that the Taiwan-Honduras friendship is not going to change. Meanwhile, Taiwan and Lithuania are preparing to establish mutual representative offices. News of the mutual offices had greatly angered China, which recalled its ambassador from Lithuania and imposed economic sanctions on the country. On Thursday, U.S. State Department official Mike Murray spoke from Lithuania's capital, Vilnius, emphasizing that the name of Taiwan's office in Lithuania was not for China to decide. Murray also criticized China for its bullying of Lithuania, calling the actions unacceptable. Lithuania has been strengthening its trade relationship with Taiwan, and next year will begin selling Lithuanian food and beauty products through a Taiwan e-commerce site. Sales of Lithuanian products in Taiwan are expected to outpace those in any other part of Asia. 
Top CCP officials have passed a resolution that's expected to strengthen Xi Jinping's grip on power. Hundreds met behind closed doors this week at the sixth plenum of the party's highest governing body. On Thursday, they produced what's known as a historical resolution, an official summary of party history. This resolution places Xi at the center of the party narrative, elevating him to the stature of Mao Zedong and Deng Xiaoping. Experts say this resolution will be a key tool to helping Xi seek a third term as China's president. The sixth plenary session of the CCP's 19th Central Committee came to a close on Thursday. During the four-day meeting, the CCP passed the third historical resolution in its 100-year history. The move drastically elevates the stature of Xi Jinping. It also paves the way for him to maintain power. He wants to really uh, highlight his own contribution to the development of the party. Uh, that also will, will seal his a uh, legitimate rule over China in the foreseeable future, then of course no one would challenge his power within the party. Only two other historical resolutions have been passed since the founding of the CCP in 1921. The first, adopted in 1945, elevated the standing of Mao Zedong. The second was passed in 1981, and it consolidated the position of reformist Deng Xiaoping. Xi is now the third Chinese leader to be hailed by a historical resolution, which justifies his rule for years to come. This confers greater legitimacy on his long-term rule, making it an imperative. Xi Jinping thought on socialism with Chinese characteristics had already been written into China's constitution, into the party charter. His position was already beyond challenge. So why does it need to be cemented through an historical resolution? The answer is very clear. What does he want? He wants a position in history. He wants the power to write history. In a communique issued by the sixth plenary session, the Taiwan issue made a rare appearance. The document underscored China's insistence on the One China principle and the 1992 consensus. It expressed firm opposition to separatist acts seeking Taiwan independence. Although the cross-strait rhetoric is not new, its inclusion in the communique is a surprise to scholars. It's somewhat strange that Taiwan was included. What it's trying to demonstrate is Xi Jinping's commitment to cross-strait unification. He's declaring his position. But before next year comes around, the focus will still be on his smooth re-election. In a break with party tradition, Xi is seeking a third term as China's leader. With his second term coming to an end, the world is scanning his party to see if challengers will arise. Former representative to Thailand Li Ingyuan died Thursday evening following a battle with ampullary cancer. He was 68. Legislator Guan Biling paid a heartfelt tribute to Li on Friday, describing him as an even-tempered man who always had a smile for others. As a young man, Li had been blacklisted and imprisoned by the KMT over his pro-democracy activities. He initiated the 228 hand-in-hand rally in 2004, and he was instrumental to the re-election campaign of former President Chen Shui-bian. Li Yingyuan returned to Taiwan from Thailand at the end of August. He looked frail as he waved to cameras at the airport. Less than three months later, news broke of his death from cancer. His passing triggered a rush of tributes from his longtime colleagues. 
He spent his whole life fighting for Taiwan's sovereignty and democracy. It is deeply unfortunate that he's left us at such an age, but we are very grateful for how he fought the good fight and for his spiritual courage. No one had a bad word to say about him. He was forever welcoming others with a smile. His hand-in-hand -hand rally in 2004 is a part of Taiwan's collective memory. It was such difficult work putting it together because the scale was so large. It was truly such difficult work, but it helped Taiwan unite. In 2004, two million people formed a human chain to commemorate the February 28 incident and protest Chinese aggression. Li had come up with the idea for the demonstration. A graduate of National Taiwan University's College of Public Health, he also had a doctorate in health economics from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. As a student overseas, he became blacklisted by the KMT for his activities in the Taiwanese Association of America. This meant he could not legally return to Taiwan. After doing so anyway in the year 1990, he managed to elude intelligence agents for over a year, but was ultimately found and imprisoned in September 1991. At the time, my preference was for returning to Taiwan and not leaving again, to continue things that way. So I returned and then lived a year and two months as a fugitive. After spending several months in prison, Lee was later elected to the Legislative UN in 1995, where he served two terms. In the year 2000, when the DPP rose to power, Lee was appointed deputy representative to the U.S. In 2002, he was tapped by his party to challenge the re-election of Taipei Mayor Ma Yingjiu. <laughs> Lee loved to sing and was never too shy for a song. In comparison, his wife Laura Huang kept a lower profile, but was invariably by his side in times of need. Their closeness was well known in political circles. My brother and sister-in-law were both admitted to their top choice program, NTU's College of Public Health. At NTU, their role numbers were number one and number two. Sometimes with the bills he proposed, we would be left thinking, can it be done? Can these bills be passed? And every time he would tell us, if it is right, then it must be done. It's not easy for someone to still have all these ideals after being in politics for so long. Tributes are pouring in for Lee from close friends. In death, he is remembered equally for his strong convictions as his gentle humor and warmth. And at long last, Taiwan has broken ground on the Taoyuan Aerotropolis project. Eleven years after it was approved by the Interior Ministry, this massive infrastructure project is starting construction. The delay was caused by challenges with land expropriation. Let's hear from Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenchan. Today is an important milestone. It marks the start of the development of the Taoyuan Aerotropolis. I want to thank all of the area residents who have given us such great support. We will absolutely make sure to provide the best resettlement terms and the most generous compensation to ensure a smooth relocation. We will exchange old residential communities for the newest communities. The Taoyuan Aerotropolis project will be a smart logistics center, a modern residential neighborhood, and an industrial development zone, all of it surrounding the nation's gateway. It will span an area of 4,564 hectares, making it one of the largest infrastructure projects in recent Taiwan history. 
Grocery bills are going up as inflation surpasses 2%. To cushion the blow on consumers, the economics ministry has requested that stores set up inflation-proof shopping aisles for at least two weeks. These aisles will be stocked with daily necessities like toilet paper and cooking oil that are relatively affordable. Let's hear from the economics minister. Some prices have gone up and other prices have not gone up. We want to give consumers more choice. So our hope is to exchange views with retailers to see what technicalities need to be worked out. This section will mainly have everyday goods like crackers, daily necessities, toilet paper and instant noodles. 20% of the special products will be those that currently account for 20% to 30% of our revenue. These are products that sell better than the rest. The Ministry of Economic Affairs said it's not asking retailers to freeze their prices. Rather, it's asking retailers to create a prominent display for products that have not been subject to inflation. The ministry said it has no intention of interfering with market mechanisms. Walt Disney launched its namesake streaming service in Taiwan on Friday. The video service Disney Plus is courting Taiwan already crowded streaming market with content from six studios, including Star Wars, Pixar and Marvel. For the Taiwan launch, Disney has signed deals with distributors like Taiwan Mobile to make the content available on a wide range of devices. Disney films, Marvel movies, and Pixar classics. Now they're available anytime on your tablet or TV with the arrival of Disney Plus in the Taiwan market. Shows like Loki, we've been eagerly waiting for that. Now people in Taiwan can legally stream these shows and we can watch them the moment they're released. Of course I want to watch these shows. I registered for the service last night, the moment it was available. These days, movie lovers are spoiled for choice. The market leader Netflix hosts original content as well as Japanese, Taiwanese and South Korean dramas. It's got more than 213 million subscribers globally, but is now facing its strongest challenger. That would be Disney+, Plus, which offers content from Disney, Pixar, Marvel and Star Wars. Subscribers can access over 1,200 films and over 10,000 TV episodes out of the gate. So far, Disney Plus has more than 118 million global subscribers. In coming to Taiwan, Disney has signed deals with local distributors to win over a diverse audience. Our cable box allows you to use other over-the-top platforms as well, but I've got to say that Disney Plus is the strongest among them. I believe it will take over as the number one service worldwide. On average, each Taiwanese household uses 1.7 streaming services. There's room for that to double. When high-quality streaming services enter Taiwan's market, they have the potential to spur growth in the entire industry. Disney Plus can be watched over 5G, wireless digital TV and broadband, allowing viewers to access content in a variety of ways. The service has burst onto the scene in a big way, giving consumers in Taiwan even more choice. 
The Eden Social Welfare Foundation is making an appeal to the public asking for support for its benefit concert on November 30th. Proceeds from the classical music concert will go to provide free accommodation in Taipei to cancer patients from rural areas. So far, less than 30 percent of seats have been sold. Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang has the details. The Eden Social Welfare Foundation provides free accommodation to cancer patients from rural areas who need long-term and frequent medical treatment in Taipei. By giving them a home away from home in the city, these patients can get the care they need without traveling long distance. The foundation says that because of COVID-19, many of these cancer patients have been unable to book rooms in hotels. Even after the easing of the epidemic, our housing units for such patients are still full. After their initial treatments here, cancer patients often have follow-up treatments, including chemotherapy. Many hotels have now become quarantine hotels. We provide services to patients from remote areas, low- and medium-income patients who have cancer and need to live in Taipei. We have our own housing units here. To raise funds to house cancer patients, the foundation is planning a classical music concert for the end of the month. So far, ticket sales have missed expectations. The foundation is appealing to the public to support its cause and enjoy a concert in the process. Why are we holding a concert this time? We're doing this fundraiser to collect money that will be used exclusively for cancer patients. We offer completely free accommodation, so we need to do a basic fundraiser. At present, we still have a lot of tickets. So we're hoping that people will donate. Not only will they get a musical feast, they'll also be helping out others. One woman named Cao Ailan has gone the extra mile to help. She's offered her vacant property in Densui District for use by cancer patients. She did it out of gratitude for the caregivers who looked after her sister, who died from an illness two years ago. I'm not using this house right now, so I wanted to turn it into a space that can help many people in need. I think that in Taiwan, there are many houses like mine, houses that are sitting vacant. If there's no need to use it for the time being, we can join the ranks of those free housing providers so that more people from remote areas can come to Taipei for treatment. It's a wonderful thing if our house can be a help to these people from remote areas or people in a special need. The concert will be held at Taipei's Elite Performance Hall on November 30th. Tickets can be purchased through the National Concert and Theatre Hall's ticketing system. For most of news, Stephanie Yang, Zhong Shuhui in Taipei. According to the EPA, Taiwan produced almost 10 million metric tons of garbage in 2020. While some think recycling can play an effective role in environmental protection, most garbage can't be recycled. Reducing the plastic we use is the tricky job most people struggle to start. That's why one couple decided to step up and design a product to help you reduce the use of plastic without sacrificing convenience. 
An excavator shovels waste into a pile at this recycling center. EPA statistics show that Taiwan produced a record amount of landfill waste in 2020, just shy of 10 million metric tons. On average, each resident of Taiwan produced 22 tons of kitchen waste and 417 tons of garbage. By 2020, we were recycling 1,200 metric tons of paper or plastic containers. So from 2019 to 2020, that number grew by about 34%. One single takeaway can produce lots of pieces of plastic waste. Gao Haiqi and her husband have been concerned about environmental issues for years. They want to shift the idea that protecting the environment is a hassle. You don't have to change that many things in your life to be environmentally friendly. We just want the products we design to be easy to use. Grass jelly is spooned into a bag. It's rolled up and fastened with Velcro, replacing a disposable container. Products like this first appeared abroad. Most are made to hold sandwiches and other dry foods. They don't suit Taiwanese snacks, which are often liquids. So Gao designed this solution. When rolled up, the bag is only as big as your palm, making it easy and convenient to carry around. It's easy to wash and reuse. When the Gaos launched their product in 2017, they raised 24 million NT on a crowdfunding platform in just 60 days. Some of their original investors later joined the business. My father invites friends to go on vacation, for example, and they go cycling. He might want to buy lunches, maybe rice balls. So I get him these food bags and tell him to take them to go buy his rice balls, to reduce single-use plastic. The brand contributes to international eco-organizations too. Every year, 1% of turnover is donated to green NGOs. We're not just reducing the use of disposable plastic in our products. We hope the money we make through this product can give back to various foundations that protect the environment. This couple have dedicated themselves to practicing what they preach, giving people an easy way to reduce waste every day and taking the inconvenience out of protecting the earth.